coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur, a podcast created to help entrepreneurs build their business. Branding, marketing, analytics, positioning, and lead generation, plus interviews with other business owners to learn from their successes and failures. Now, here is your host, Abel Garza. So many focused leaders hone in on certain aspects of leadership that effectively contribute to the overall organizational goals. And the effectiveness of many is trial and error. However, seasoned leaders know which ones are most effective. And when utilizing the most effective strategies, such as creating buy-in, regular feedback, communication, leading by example, it lends itself to certain productive teams and building pride within the organization. So effective leaders, they, they, they look at these strategies that are effective and ineffective. And pragmatically, it is essential for, the, for them to focus on areas that are ineffective and acknowledge the uses that could potentially hinder the organization. So whether through poor communication, uh, poor organizational goals, continued criticism, whatever the case may be, these organizational changes by these leaders are the framework to conceptualize how the system is balanced. So it's very important for leaders to to really look at how organizational change works. And it's very, very important that they utilize certain steps in place in order for their organization to change. Today, I have a great guest for you. And we're going to be talking about organizational change and leadership. You know, change is inevitable in business. And so if you're not going with the flow, you're not being flexible and you're not changing, you're, you're pretty much stagnant. Our next guest is going to be talking about organizational change and some of the systems in place that she's had and some of the successes that she's had through healthcare. So please help me welcome Cheryl Mobley. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's fabulous to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about leadership and organizational change. And it's really exciting because a lot of times people, when they start a business or they have an existing business, they, they remain stagnant. They, they, they just go with the flow, you know, keep the ugly baby, so to speak. And, uh, and what we want to do is we want to evolve and, and, and become better. And those techniques and those systems that we put in place to, to adjust to those changes sometimes can hinder or sometimes can can feel like overwhelming uh, to some of the folks that are working in the organization. So I'd like to get a little bit more information as to who you are, what you do, and how you help your customers. Okay, so perfect. So I have, um, how do we put this delicately, a varied background, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which when I was younger, I thought was a point of failure that I hadn't done like one thing. I didn't have this plan. I was going to do X by 20, this by 25. I didn't. And so ultimately, I ended up being asked to serve as president of a hospital. And that was never in my plan or agenda. But it was a fabulous experience because we had an amazing team and we did a lot of things to set that stage, right? Mm. And to nurture that. And that team is what allowed us to consistently hit 99th percentile performance when we were measured against most of the other hospitals in the US. And as everybody knows, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be the case, but healthcare is really regulated. And so you have a lot of, shall we say, input, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Telling you what to do and how you will do and how much you will get paid. So a lot more than your listeners are going to be dealing with, fortunately. 
And so that, that stacks the deck, but it's also incredibly important because everyone who trusts you to care for them and their families deserves mm -hmm. your absolute best all the time. And so that's what we did. You know, we, we kind of hit the, raised the bar really high and hit it really high. And so because of that experience and the polar opposite experience, probably like a lot of your listeners have had, I've worked in an organization that sucked the life out of me. Yeah. And I hated to get up and I hated to go to work. And I had a two hour commute every day to this lovely job, right? And when I came home, there was nothing left except enough to crawl into bed and start all over yeah. again. And that's no way to live a life. Yeah, right? Life is too long and too short. Mm -hmm. And the service we could have been providing in that organization really didn't come to fruition, right? Because I wasn't the only one that it sucked the life out of. And so having those polar opposite experiences of please don't make me go to work again. And wow, we're doing some amazing things and what great people we work with. And not that we were perfect, we're not. I'm certainly not perfect. I do things I wish I hadn't done. I could tell my team, if we are breathing, we are making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Just accept it, learn from a move on. And so in the midst of that, served in this hospital in that role for five years. And I started having other people come and say to us, y'all make it look easy and I know it's not. What are you doing? And that really forced me to sit down and go, what do we do differently? You know, I mean, what is it? Because there's a lot of other fabulous leaders that aren't getting these same results. And so I sat down and reverse engineered mm -hmm. based on my knowledge of what we did and based on my knowledge of what other leaders did or didn't do and what their, how their teams did or didn't respond. Mm -hmm. And so I created a framework, the, the B99 kind of guiding questions framework, because I make everybody psychotic, I think, in questions. Yes. <laughs> That's just the way my brain is wired. And so I just, I knew that I needed to leave the hospital setting because the hospital was going fabulous. You could pull me out and it wasn't going to affect anything, right? I mean, we, we had so many things just kind of rocking and rolling. It wasn't dependent on me. And so I started an organization on the side at the time called Recalibrate, mm -hmm. which its sole purpose is to help other leaders lift their, their organization to 99th percentile performance. Mm -hmm. And after about a year or so of that, I decided it was time to step away. I had to make a go one way or the other decision. I couldn't keep doing both. Mm -hmm. And so decided to step away from the hospital and go full time into recalibrate, helping leaders across industries. It doesn't matter to me what your industry is because I'm not coming in saying, put this oil well here, mm -hmm. right? Or go do that marketing technique there because I'm useless at that. The, the things that we help organizations with are agnostic you know, to your industry, right? Mm -hmm. They don't matter. Um, and so that, that's a long answer to a short <laughs> question, right? But it, but it was that polar experience because most people have never had the experience of working in an organization that's hit 99% top performance. And the reality is only 1%, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, I mean, but for those leaders that want to get there or want to speed up their journey mm -hmm. there, those are the ones that I engage with. The ones that say, I just care about the bottom line. I'm going to get in and get out. Doesn't matter if my people aren't happy. So what I can get more. Those are not the leaders that I engage with because that's just not how I approach the world. I think life is too long and too short to be miserable. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we miss so many organizations miss the opportunity to make the impact they could make. Mm -hmm. Right. If their organization operated at that level and their team was really engaged and not just a body that was yeah. taking up space. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, businesses nowadays, you know, they face many challenges uh, in, I mean, a, a varied range of, of challenges. Uh, and I think a lot of times managing the teams 
is is the top concern. Uh, you know, leaders both in in uh, in new and established firms alike. Um, they, they face these challenges and manage, man, managing different individuals to ensure that the, that the success of the project or the team or the organization, uh, whether it be a product or service, is essential. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are some of the steps that you have seen uh, you find are successful when you are dealing with these organizations? I mean, because I mean, you're looking at it from – you're looking at it from uh, – from an organizational perspective, right? So we're, we're not making enough money. We're not generating enough revenue. What step do I need to take initially to start seeing a change? And that's a great question. And part of the, the non-easy answer to that is it depends on the organization, mm-hmm. right? Because you, part of what I do when I start working with leaders is I do an assessment. And if I've got a team of leaders, I tell them this is not a group exercise. Mm. Okay. I want you to do it individually. I want to learn from your perspective. And so I would say, I'm thinking back, without fail, it always starts with a lack of shared clarity. Mm-hmm. Clarity to the point that you could say it in a really just a few words. What are we here to do? Because if the leaders can't answer that and it's not the same, then your team doesn't have a hope. Mm-hmm. And unless you want to sit over your team and do A, okay, something changed, do B. Oh, oh, I changed my mind, do X, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They need to have that understanding as well. And that's really, really lacking in most organizations. The, the, the question that I ask that usually is a stumper for everybody under the clarity driver, which is where I always start, is what do you want to be true in your future? Mm-hmm. And it's a short question, but it's not one you can go, oh, I want da 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 da, right? Yeah. It's like, no, really, what do you want to be true in your organization's future? Yeah. And then for your team, I want them to be asking, are the right things on my plate? Well, they won't know that if they don't know what you're working toward. Mm-hmm. And to your point earlier about change happening, change to me in, in a really oversimplified way comes in two ways. One, I decide I want to change something. Or change happens to me. Yeah. Pretty much one or the other, right? I mean, COVID has been a happen to you. Yeah. I mean, you have to evolve, definitely. Right. Regulations happen to you, but maybe you're like, no, let's say, for example, I want to shift to kind of a 99% top performance. So what do I need to do, right? So it's, it's really different how that shakes out. But at the end of the day, if you are not really crystal clear about what you want, Mm -hmm and you're not incredibly effective at sharing that in a way that helps your team know what should I work on? What should I walk away from? Absent having to ask you every single time something changes, you're not gonna get where you wanna go. And so it's, it's that team focus for me is really around that shared clarity. And a lot of people go, well, I, I had clarity. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Has anything changed since mm-hmm. then? <laughs> you know, maybe just a Yo, little Well, bit. you know, we're going to have barriers. You know, stuff's going to come yeah. up, change, COVID, you know, that's going to affect or it's actually going to catalyze the, the change, in, you know, that we're going to have to do. Uh, and in order Great to word. adapt to this new change, you have to be successful. You know, and a lot of times we just kind of repackage 
a process that we already have so that it's it looks different but you kind of have to redo the entire process in order for it to be mm-hmm. successful sometimes and so mm-hmm. you know does that entail like a you know new environment new strategy uh you know new team it all varies you know and mm-hmm. so when we look at these changes that that organizations are ch- are facing nowadays it is it's inevitable but the question is not so much the barriers because you know you're going to run into these situations but do you change for the sake of change mm-hmm. you know what i mean do you change for the sake of change just because or do you change when something is not going right like for example you have a project it's not working do you change it or you just keep it just mm-hmm. so that you know you don't have to affect change but mm-hmm. the question remains, you know, do you change just to change? Part of that is going to be dependent on the human, right? You know, we all have, some of us love change. Some of us like new stuff. Some of us want to run screaming into the night. Mm -hmm. So it's very much a personal thing. Number one, I've yet to meet anybody who likes having change done unto them. Even people who really like change. (laughs) And so part of it then becomes, and I've had, you know, on my own, one of the questions I have to ask myself, and I think is a great question for your audience to ask themselves, when a lot of things are coming at you and there's a lot of change or things didn't go like you thought they were going to go, mm-hmm. and you had these grand plans and now you're like, this is not working. Mm-hmm. The question I ask myself is, where am I trying to get ultimately? And what do I need to do right now? And it's that long range focus but then bringing it back to what right now may not be exciting, may not be where I hoped to be, may not be where I wanted to be, but right now, what is the next thing I need to move my feet or my mind to do mm-hmm. to start to move in that direction? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Right. And so it's been, and none of us like that, you know, it's like, well, what do I need to do right now? But I want to do this. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. What do you need to do right now? And that is a key question that I've really, that's popped for me lately. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, okay, well, that's where you want to be. You ain't there yet. Right? Yeah. And unless you do some things very intentionally and strategically, you're not getting there either. So what's right now? And if you can really embrace that, it takes away the feeling of I'm not where I need to be. I'm you know, it's like, well, no, I'm going there. I'm here. This is my next step that way. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that, you celebrate it and you go, okay, now what's next? Mm-hmm. And that's, we don't have that really well for most of us in terms of the way we think. Yeah. Um, we're either right now or we're out there and we don't do the blending of where do I want to end up and what's right now. Yeah. And one of the things I will talk to clients about all the time, and this is relevant whether it's you're leading yourself or whether you're leading a team or a massive organization is what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start doing? And what do I need to keep doing? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And most of us don't do a really good job, especially if we have a team of stopping things. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of to your point earlier, when you said, you know, you just kind of repackage the process and and put pink wrapping on it instead of blue, (laughs) right? And call it different. Yeah, It's that same sort of thing, right? You know, it's like, no, 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 what do I really need to take off the plate? because we're doing something different now. Yeah. And that's a tough one. The, the stop doing, because we're all finite resources mm-hmm. and you can't do everything. So, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the general 
the general sense of organizational change, but I'd like to delve into some specifics as far as uh, like just, I don't know, maybe three or so specific techniques on how you can in, incorporate uh, organizational change. Like we've done some some interviews with other folks and they find that, you know, once they've implemented this change from the top down, uh, that buy-in with, you know, mid-level managers and uh, and others is, is very important. Where do you fare uh, as far as in your system that buy-in is important? Oh, well, everywhere. I mean, I had someone who was a senior leader, C-suite leader of a multinational corporation. And she said to me, she goes, well, when you come in, will you work just with us or you work with a whole organization? And I said, unless you're going to fire everyone else <laughs> and do all the work yourself, it has to start with you. But it's certainly got to spread throughout your entire organization. Mm. It has to. And unless you're someone who enjoys standing over someone's shoulder, you have to feel confident that the people that are there with you as part of your team want to be there, understand what it is that you want to see become true and have what they need to get it done. Yeah. Right. So to me, it always starts with a clarity question, right? What do you want to be true in your future? And everyone in the organization, if I were to walk through, and I don't care whether you have you mm -hmm. or three people or 30 people or 10,000 people, everybody should be able to tell me what that is. Yeah. But if you're, if right. you're, if you're clear, you've already, you've already done the, the clarity work, you've communicated with uh, your, your, your mid-level management from, from the leadership perspective, you've already been clear as to what the change needs to be. So you have this buy-in of of the the mid level managers that uh, that understand that this change needs to happen, there are some ways in which this buy in can happen expediently. Would you say that you focus on the short term successes or the short term goals that have been accomplished? In terms of in terms what of like would... if you're talking to your mid-level managers and you say this needs to be done, now talk mm -hmm. to your guys and start implementing this change. Of mm -hmm. course, there's going to be resistance. People are going to be like, "Oh my gosh, man, we got to change again. We got to do this, mm -hmm. you know, whatever." Well, you know what? Let's me as a manager look at this and say, "Okay, look, we've implemented this change." We've already accomplished this goal. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. Let's bring other people into this so that they can have more buy-in by focusing on these short-term goals and these successes that we've made. How does that factor into your system? Gotcha. So the, the step that I would add to that, and again, just to be really clear, if the building is burning down, this is not the time to have a conversation. Okay. It's like everybody get out now. So I am, I'm going to frame my response in light of a change, a shift that needs to happen but if it's, it's not in the category, if it doesn't happen yesterday, we won't be able to make payroll, right? Mm -hmm. So it is always, always, always to your advantage to get people's ideas who are going to be implementing this rather than having someone, quote unquote, from above say, we're doing this now. Yeah. Because none of us likes feeling like our thoughts and opinions and judgment doesn't matter. Absolutely. And when you don't ask someone for their insight, that's basically what you're telling them. You have nothing of value to add here. So I'm not going to waste my time because I'm not going to do anything because you just don't have any good ideas. So go do this mm -hmm. and like it. 
That is a surefire way to make sure that people will drag their feet better than any three-year-old having a temper tantrum you have ever seen. Mm -hmm. I think that's under the assumption, though. Well, for the most part, if you bring it, but that's a good point. That's an excellent mm -hmm. point, by the way, that you have your organization, you have your mid-level managers, and you've brought them in and say, hey, we need to do this. What do you think? And if you... I, I, and like you said, if you don't do that, people are definitely going to be dragging their feet, even at that level, mm -hmm. you know, because if you have somebody like the big guy saying, hey, I just want to change this. This looks good to me. And then the managers are like, well, shit, if you do that, then we're screwed. You know, we're going to lose mm -hmm. money. What, would, what are you thinking to do that? You know, and if you don't take those into account, then mm -hmm. you're like. You're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Of course, mm. I think leaders definitely need to rely on their mid-level managers or their experts in that field because without that, you're just basically just running amok and thinking, mm. well, maybe if I, you know, and as a leader, you don't need to know everything. You know, you don't need to know every single aspect of your business to mm -hmm. as an expert. You know, you just need to know more or less how to run a business and you need to know mm. more or less how to, to engage with your, your managers and make sure that, you know, you hired them, you vetted them. So, you know, they're doing their job. So it's, mm -hmm. it's important to that, you know, and, and, and to, to, uh, to get back to your point is yes, mm -hmm. definitely, you have to rely on your manager. You have to rely on the experts in order to, uh, to make that change. And then I think as it follows, as you follow through with your managers, those managers are the ones that have already, um, bought into the idea of like, okay, this would, this would definitely help. Now it's their job to bring the others in, you know, on, on board. Now, well, and I take it one step further actually, because I, I expect that the, the manager who's tasked with implementing is likewise bringing in the people that are going to be actually doing the implementing to get their ideas. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So I don't see it stopping, you know, I don't see, Again, my take and my experience is if you truly want people to buy in all the way through your organization, you need to have people that you will ask because you trust their judgment and their insight mm -hmm. and the fact that they have the hands-on knowledge yeah. <laughs> that you don't, what to do. And I'll give you an example. So in healthcare in a hospital setting, one of the things that you absolutely want to do your very best to make sure absolutely never happens is that someone gets an infection when they come in your hospital, oh. right? And a really, really sick patient will often have injections and um, tubes and all sorts of things. And anytime you make an opening in the body, you're introducing the risk of infection, right? And so the government has what they call bundles, which are lists of prescribed behaviors for different types of things they want you to prevent and say, do one through seven every time and it should be better. Well, we were doing one to seven every time mm -hmm. and it was better. And we were still really, really good against most of the hospitals in the country, but we weren't at zero infections. And to me, anything less than zero infections is unacceptable. And so we measured how we did. And according to our own internal, and these aren't 100% measurements, right? These are kind of spot measurements. A hundred percent of the time we were doing the bundle, mm -hmm. which if things were true, that meant we should have zero infections, right? If we're compliant 100%, then we should be at zero infections, and we weren't. And so I pulled together a couple people, and I said, I want you to identify and pull together a team. Our non-negotiable is we cannot stop doing these seven things, right? We just can't. We must. We will continue to measure. Your goal is to experiment with things that are safe to get us to zero. You pull together the team you need. You tell me what resources you need. If you get stuck on anything, you let me know. Yeah. 
right? If you need to spend money above a certain threshold, you let me know. And they pulled together a group of people, frontline folks, and pulled together and created a process that got us to zero infections. Wow. And when they spread it to other providers, they got to zero infections, right? Outside of our hospital. Mm -hmm. It's that approach. And then when this happened, we celebrated them like crazy because they did the work. I set the standard. I set the expectation, but they did everything else. And so to me, that's a successful approach. That back to my earlier comment of we want to end up out there. Mm -hmm. And then you go to them and go, how are we going to get there? Not I have already decided how we're going to get there. And again, this is this doesn't work 100% of the time. If I'm talking about a, a business development or a BD sort of thing, I'm not, I want ideas from people, but I'm not entertaining the same level of input as I do with something that, that deals with the day-to-day -day kind of operations. Mm -hmm. That's my approach on if you truly want people to buy in is you give them another frame for this that I've heard people use that can be helpful is tight, loose, tight right? It's very tight around, here's where I need you to end up. It's loose in the middle because they get to decide what that looks like. And then it's tight at the end because, hey, here's where we need to be and how it needs to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, right. But to me, that's the approach. If you truly want to drive change and to your point, none of us know everything. And when I first became a president, I had to learn to let go of a lot of things that I knew and by that, I mean, I kept a lot of facts in my head. I had a different job before. I had a much more minutiae level. Mm -hmm. And I had to mentally kind of smack myself a lot <laughs> in the beginning to go, no, you don't need to keep that in your head anymore. Somebody else needs to own that. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. But it's necessary for the leader to have that kind of high level vision and not get bogged down in the minutiae. Because the minutiae can feel really comforting because mm -hmm. you've done it before. Mm -hmm. It feels more um, well-behaved, yeah. right, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a question for you uh, sure. with regard to, uh, well, you know, you were in the healthcare industry, so there's a lot of systems in place to obtain feedback. And so as your organization is changing and you're obtaining this feedback, you, you start to see that there are certain areas in which need to be changed based on the feedback. Is mm -hmm. that something that you obtain? Do you, do you regularly get feedback, not just from customers or, uh, I mean, I'm talking about also employees, you know, because mm -hmm. as a, as an organization, you want to make sure that your employees are happy and they're doing the right things and that their voices do matter. And, mm -hmm. and the feedback that, um, that you receive and how is it utilized? How do you, do you implement certain changes or do you just take that at face value? Great question. So in healthcare, you have generally, especially in the hospital, you have what I'll call three, three different buckets of assessments that you do. So one is your employee engagement. One is your patient and family satisfaction. And the third is your physician satisfaction or engagement. Mm -hmm right? Those, those kind of three. They're, they're measured differently, different questions, all that kind of good stuff. And so when I talked about us being at 99th percentile performance, what that meant was against most of the hospitals in the country, 5,000-ish at the time, give or take, we were in the top 99th percentile for our employee engagement across all these other hospitals, mm -hmm. right? Same thing for our family and patient satisfaction. Where I think it starts, though, that's the result, 
So specifically what we did was we would actually, because our patients were often with us for a while because they were very ill, is after they'd been with us about a week, we would just go and say, how's it going for you? Right? Is there anything we can do better? Do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable? We would give them a written assessment if they wanted to do it because we wanted to make sure real time that we were taking care of them and then they felt safe where they were. So it's that proactive approach that says, if you trust us to care for you, we're going to do everything we can to make you feel safe and to be heard. And if they told us something that didn't feel good, then we dealt with it real time. Mm -hmm. For our employees, because we had quite a few, what we did actually is we had someone removed from our hospital, so someone in HR, who would come and do focus groups with anybody who wanted to sit in them after the results came back. And the results, I mean, they were anonymous, right? We didn't know who said what. Mm -hmm. But after the results came back, the HR person would sit down with these groups and say, here's what y'all said. Most people don't ever do that. I was talking to another leader of a very large company not that long ago. I said, anytime you collect feedback from your people, you must, 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 must share the results. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I've never done that. 